Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. If you have your Bibles, I want you to join me this morning, if you will, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses number 1 and 2. We welcome all of you here this morning. Thank you for being in the house of God. Thank you, Brother Everett. Bird for sharing your heart this morning, and I appreciate the word of the Lord so, so very much. And I appreciate the vessels that he uses to distribute that word. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses number 1 and 2. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2 and 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I would be afraid today to take a wild guess at how many times this passage of scripture, even these two verses in particular, have been used as a launching pad for a sermon to preach or a lesson to teach. And uh, so it is a well-worn passage of scripture But from this passage, I want to focus on just a few words in verse number two. And that is, Paul said, I determined, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And and so from that, I want to just use it as a text this morning, a subject, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I, I pray that we can make some Uh, a little more sense as we pull our focus a little tighter here as we move today. Lord, I love you. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house and in your presence. And I'm asking you today, almighty God, to touch our minds and our hearts and help us to center ourselves around your word now and to dismiss everything else from our schedule, dismiss everything else from our heart and our mind. And, And just let your word, God, let it just be the centerpiece, the compass of all of our thoughts and all of our attention and we give you the praise and we give you the honor in Jesus name amen God bless you and you can be seated I determined I determined Jesus I mean the apostle Paul was saying I've made up my mind that I'm just going to focus on one thing I'm just uh, there's a lot of distractions but I'm just going to focus on one thing and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, I think really to appreciate this statement, we have to understand a little bit more about the man making the statement or making such a bold proclamation. According to Acts 22 and 3, Paul was a well-trained and formally educated man. He was not just an everyday man. He was not your average person walking down the street But Paul sat at the feet of the greatest teachers and had broken off and poured into him some of the greatest learning. He was a man that was 
well honed, a very polished man. But amid all of his devotion to their family and its tradition, he had an encounter with the Lord that completely changed everything. It complained, it can change everything and, and it moved and shifted the trajectory of his life for what we know forever. We know now. This was not just a one-time deal. This was not just a hit and miss. But Paul's life was going to be affected by what the Spirit of the Lord was going to do to him. As a matter of fact, Paul became the very opposite of all things he had been teaching. He had been persecuting the church. He had been trying to stamp out the message of the New Testament church and, and, and the Lord just got a hold of his heart. Amen. I think it's important. It's, I think it's essential really to understand something about Paul's conversion. I believe that when Paul had this incredible experience on the road to Damascus and we sometimes know about that story and we sort of have it in its own bubble but Paul did not begin to preach immediately after this Damascus Road experience. He had an incredible experience. It affected him spiritually. We know that it even affected him physically because he was blind. He had to be led. And so he had this incredible experience. And if we're not careful, we can read and quickly note this experience on the road to Damascus. And it was an incredible moment. But it's also important to understand that when this Damascus Road experience happened and Paul was left, this blinding light, the revelation of the Lord, and he's left blind, it's important to know that he went from there to Arabia. And it was here in Arabia. We, don't, we talk way more about the Damascus Road experience than we do the Arabia experience, but God was going to do some great things in his life. It would be the sands of this desert place even though they didn't look promising to look around, it probably didn't look like a place of learning. It didn't look like things that Paul was accustomed to when he said at the feet of great teachers. Amen. But God had a plan for his life. And God had a plan for his ministry. And it was going to unfold over time. Not in a moment, not morph in a vacuum. But God was going to do this in the process of time. So if you read the scripture, we can find that Paul was in Arabia for a, around three years, about three years. And so the Lord in this period of time did something supernatural to him. I don't think it should be lost to us that the Lord spent about three years with his disciples. Right. Amen. And there may or may not be a connection, but I just found that interesting that here is the Lord that says, I'm going to use Paul to do something and, and he's going to do something incredible. He's going to be one of the greatest contributors to the New Testament. But this is going to take some time. I've got to put something in him. That something that was put in him, while it initially did start on that road to Damascus with this incredible spiritual experience, there was something that was solidified in that three-year period while he stood in that arid temperature of Arabia. As a matter of fact, twice in Romans... Once in Romans 2 and once in Romans 16. And then one time in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. When Paul referred to this new message that he is now preaching. Paul called it my gospel. Amen. That's incredible. My gospel. That's how converted he was. 
That's how convinced he was. This is my gospel. And then in Galatians 1 and 8, uh, we've read many, many times, but Paul said to the church of Galatia, he said, though I or an angel from heaven preach unto you any other gospel than the gospel I have preached unto you, let him be accursed. He was that convinced that even if I come back later, and I'm starting to preach something different. You need to understand that it's me that is in error. If an angel comes and they're preaching anything else than what I've been preaching to you, this is strong language. I mean, this is a strong statement. If I or an angel come and start preaching something else, let him be accursed. The gospel that Paul preached not only came out of a personal struggle and a personal time of learning, but the message he preached had been received as a direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself. He did not inherit this from his parents, his grandparents, his aunt, or his uncle. As a matter of fact, he deals with that in the church of Galatia as well. Galatians 1 and 12, he said, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation, by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Where did you get this? How were you so convinced I wasn't convinced because I had a convincing teacher. I wasn't convinced because the person behind the lectern had a silver tongue. I wasn't convinced because they had a stronger personality than I had. No, I was convinced because what I received, I received as a revelation. I'm gonna tell you, when God gives you something, it's yours for keep. Praise God. Praise God. That's why I've always said that, you know, I could probably or maybe you could go back at the end of a service and we may be able to persuade somebody to come down to the altar and pray. I know there are times that we have felt impressed to do that. And from time to time, I have felt impressed to do that. But in general, I say this, that if I could convince somebody to come to the altar, then somebody sharper than me could convince them to leave the altar. But if the Lord gets a hold of them, and if the Spirit draws them, and if the Spirit leads them, amen, amen. And so Paul said, I didn't get this of man. I was not taught this. This is not something I read in a textbook, but I got this as a revelation of the Lord. And so he began to preach what was revealed. According to Acts 9, we see him preaching this same message in Damascus. And then we find him in Jerusalem preaching the same gospel. And then we keep our finger on his lifeline, ministry line, and we will find him in Antioch. And he is preaching this same message. And then in Acts 14, we'll find him in Lystra. He was preaching this message, but it wasn't so fancy in Lystra. Because while he was in Lystra, he was stoned. And he was dragged out of the city. And some left him for dead. But the Spirit of the Lord wasn't through with him. Amen. He began to heal up only to preach Jesus and him crucified. Amen, I'm talking about Jesus and him crucified. I'm talking about a man that had a message that couldn't be quieted, a voice that would not be muted. Amen, he had something boiling in his spirit that would not be put out. In Acts chapter 16, we find him, but he's not alone. This time he is with a cohort named Silas. They're beaten, they're placed in an inner dungeon in a jail, hallelujah. They were there preaching the gospel and because they were preaching the gospel, they were beaten and put in jail. But somewhere when they caught their breath and they came to themselves just enough, one said to the other, I believe we ought to sing and we ought to pray, amen, we ought to sing praise 
praises unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Why? Because I've got something that happened to me on the Damascus Road. And I've got something that happened to me when he took me down to the desert sands. Hallelujah. Of Arabia. It's just fire in my bones. It's just a message that can't be quieted. It is Jesus and him crucified. In Acts chapter 17, we will find him in Thessalonica and we'll also find him in Berea. And it was there he also suffered persecution. As a matter of fact, almost everywhere he went, he suffered persecution. But I will tell you that everywhere he went, he was preaching and he wasn't changing his message from city to city. He wasn't licking his finger to see which way the wind was blowing to say, well, I wonder what these people would like to hear or I wonder what this congregation would wanna hear. I wonder what this city would like to hear he had one message friend hallelujah he had one message and that message was Jesus Christ and him crucified I'm going to tell it everywhere I go I'm going to shout it from the mountaintop I'm going to I'm going to whisper it in the valley low I've got one thing to say and that is Jesus and him crucified Paul Paul was such a great man of God. He was a man that had committed himself to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe that this is the same position that we as a church should continue to walk in today. You might say, well, I'm not a preacher, but I beg to differ with you. Yes, you are. You may not be called formally to a pulpit ministry, but we are all called to preach this gospel. And I believe that every one of us every day ought to be preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. Determined. He said, I'm determined not to know anything among you save Jesus I'm going to just preach Jesus because there is power in the name of the Lord. Paul gives a strong indication of what would happen if we preach anything less than Jesus. And so I want the church now to lean in. Don't dismiss on me. Amen. Please don't leave here in your mind. Amen. I want you to stay with me because Paul gives some clear indication what's going to happen if you start preaching less than that behind the pulpit of the church. 1 Corinthians 1 and 7. He said, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Amen. Now I think it's very clear I want to clear this up before we move any further. Paul was not minimizing baptism. We've got to keep everything in context. Amen. So Paul is preaching to the church in Corinth. And so 1 Corinthians, so he's addressing something. Paul was the pastor. Amen. Every now and then you hear me right in the middle of my preaching. I'll say, I need to stop here and pastor for just a moment. What I mean by that is I need to deal with something we're dealing with. I need to deal with something we're going through. And so Paul was just kind of raising his hand saying, I need to stop here and pastor for just a moment. He said, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He was not minimizing baptism, but he was trying to get baptism back in its proper box. Because the church at Corinth was getting baptism, something as sacred as baptism, they were trying to get it out of context. They were using it in a different way. They were making too much about it. Because one would say, well, I was baptized by Apollos. And then another would say, well, if you think that's something, I was baptized by Paul. Amen. They were missing the point. It wasn't who was doing the baptizing. 
Amen. We have several people here in the church that baptize people. It's not about who's doing the baptisms. It's not about who's in the tank. It's not about who is doing putting them down in Jesus' name. It was about Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so we've got to be determined to keep the main thing the main thing. We must be determined. In verse 17, Paul reminds us what happens if we just preach using the wisdom of words. He said, preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Amen, that's the danger. If we just try to preach the wisdom of men, if we just try to have somebody come and entertain us, if we just try to have somebody come and just make us happy and tickle our itching ears so to speak he said here's what will happen the preaching of the cross amen it'll become of none effect people won't know anything about Calvary and they ought to know everything about Calvary people won't have any respect for Calvary and we ought to have all respect for Calvary because that's where it all begins and so if we we're going to sit down in some planning session and we're going to figure out a master plan for this church or for any other church, what would that plan look like? Well, I'll tell you what it ought to look like. Amen, I believe that we should build the church and everything about the church around the preaching of the ministry of Jesus Christ. I appreciate any honor that may come my way as a pastor of this church. But this church is not about Steve Boyd. Amen. This church is about Jesus Christ. I appreciate the wonderful, wonderful heritage that we have. Amen. I'm thankful for my grandparents that founded this church. But they didn't found the church alone. So we can't just give credit to somebody that was here to, to preach the word. I'm thankful for the great heritage we have of people and families that are still a part of this church today that were here in the very beginning. I'm thankful for all of those names as well but we're not here to preach them. Amen, this is not about them. We thank them, we honor them. We give place where they, it, honor where honor is due. But I'm gonna tell you what brought us here was not the last name of a man or the last name of this family or the last name of that family. What brought us here was not somebody that made great contributions financially. What brought us here was not somebody that helped us physically build a building. What brought us where we are has been the preaching of Jesus Christ and him crucified because every sinner that walks in the door ought to know there's no hope to be found in Boyd and there's no hope to be found in Smith and there's no hope to be found in Jones but there is all hope to be found in Jesus. Hallelujah. And so we're just gonna keep preaching Jesus and him crucified. <laughs> Hallelujah. Paul was in this city and he was preaching Jesus. But when he went to that city, he preached Jesus. And when he went to the next city, he preached Jesus. And when he was beaten and put in jail, he preached Jesus. Oh, hear me today. When he was threatened with his very life, he said, I'm gonna preach Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I think everything about the church, everything about this church, everything about the church in general, but I'm preaching here, so I'll say everything about this church ought to be built around the preaching of the pulpit. Amen. Been said many times, been said by me many times, but it won't hurt you to hear it again. But I grew up hearing preachers being introduced to come to the pulpit 
and those introducing them saying, and now for the most important part of this service. They weren't trying to insult anybody that had been before them. They weren't trying to insult any other portion of that service, but somebody that knew, amen, they understood that if we just do this on the wisdom of men, the preaching of the cross will be of none effect. And after a while, this will be nothing more than a social club. After a while, this will be nothing more than just a place together like any other place down the road, amen. But now something significant is about to happen. Why? Because we're gonna break open this holy writ and we're going to preach. Hallelujah. We're not just going to read a few verses in a dry monotone fashion but we're going to preach the anointed word of God with and from an anointed vessel. Amen. It ought to preach. It ought to center rather around the preaching of the message of Jesus Christ. I believe that everything that we do in our church should, point all, should all point us back to the moment that this precious book is open. Amen. I know I've been saying this a lot lately, but you should never discount any opportunity together with the church. Any opportunity. No matter what it's called, no matter how it's fashioned, no matter what the format of it may be. Don't discount that. Amen. I was in the service Friday night and, and Brother Huntley was talking about, some people say, well, I'm not going to go because it's just prayer meeting. What are you talking about? Just prayer meeting. Amen, just prayer meeting, that's just intercession, that's just spiritual battle, that's just spiritual warfare. Amen, that's not the time to sit back or we say, well, we're not gonna do this, we're not gonna do that because it's just this or it's just that. What in the world are we talking about this past Wednesday night during the summer, June, July, and August on our first Wednesday nights, we do and have for a few years what we call first Wednesdays. We gather in the dining hall. It doesn't look like this. Our service format is not like this. We gather in the dining hall. There was no music. There was no singing. We opened with prayer, a few pertinent announcements. But then Brother Alan Everett Jr. stepped behind the lectern. Amen. He took seriously the invitation to say something. Amen. He took seriously. He took seriously that moment to have our attention. He's standing there to his left are all the food and all the fineries and all the delicacies that we're going to partake of. But he had something burning in his heart. He didn't get up there with his fist bounding and, and jumping up and down, you know, Brother Alan Everett and his demeanor, but in a quiet, subtle, in his own unique way. Amen. He began to share from his heart something that should stir us. It's already been talked about twice this morning in this service. Amen. What was talked about Wednesday night. He talked about laying aside the weights. Amen. The weights. The stuff. Amen. That we need to rid ourselves of the stuff. Hallelujah. The things. What was he saying? We got to get rid of the things that will hinder the flow of the Spirit of God in our lives. Yes, he used some pertinent examples, real life of examples in their home and in their family, but there was an underlining message. He wasn't trying to talk to us about an office in his house. He wasn't trying to talk to us about articles on the desk. He wasn't trying to talk to us about something in the corner. He was saying, there's some things that I'm working on. I gotta purge it, and we've all gotta purge it. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what he was doing Wednesday night. What he was doing Wednesday night was setting us up. He was getting us ready. Somebody's going to come open the book and they're going to preach the cross and they're going to preach Jesus and they're going to preach him crucified. Oh yes. Amen. So please don't dismiss yourself from things because you don't think it's important. 
Because everything we're going to do as a church is going to point us back to the pulpit. There's just going to be an arrow. There's going to be something that nudges us and leans us and pushes and pulls us back. Amen. The setting may have been casual, but there was nothing casual about the word that we heard. I will tell you that we do many things in this church. We have a lot going on. Amen. We have a lot of things going on, but the but the great end, amen, and the great purpose that serves as a backdrop for everything we do, whatever it may be, whether it's discipleship classes or home Bible studies or or connect groups or whatever it may be that's going on. Everything that is behind that, there's a backdrop behind every one of those things. Amen. And it's pointing us and it's pointing them. Amen. It's pointing them to that moment when somebody stands behind a desk and they open the Bible. Hallelujah. When somebody gets behind the desk, I don't know why I feel so impressed to say this again, but it's been week and service after service. I know that I'm repeating myself. I'm not losing my mind but there's something in my heart that says that every time you have an opportunity to be in this house you ought to be here and when somebody opens this Bible you ought to sit at rapt attention amen you ought to lean in why because it's the preaching of Jesus Christ that's what keeps sin pushed back amen that's what keeps hell pushed back it's the preaching of the cross it's the preaching of the cross it's Jesus Christ and him crucified Yes, yes, yes. Amen. That's the time we should lean in. Amen. I will say this as a pastor, that I believe I know that there are times when it's hard for children to keep their attention for very long, but we ought to make sure our children listen to the preaching. Amen. I understand they're not superhuman. And I understand that sometimes even as adults, our minds drift. You can be seated. But our children need the word. Amen. They don't just need to be in the word, in the building where it's going on. They need to get the word. And we need as parents to help them understand that word. Amen. Make sure they get bits and pieces of this word. Amen. Our church is built around the focal point, the preaching of the word of God. Nothing will be more important than the preaching. There may be many substitutes. Amen. That, that, uh, that there may be many substitutes that in our day especially made for that. Amen. But the, when the church comes together, no matter how how many programs we may have no matter how many no matter how many arms of of things that we may have if programs are all you have amen if that's all we have are just things to do if that's all we have are just events amen that i will tell you that without exception you're going to wind up with a weak church amen i'm not even sure i said that just right and so i may just back up and say it again Amen. I believe that, that no matter what, we can have programs and we need to have things and we do have a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you that if all we have are those things, what you're going to wind up with is a weak church. Amen. If programs are all you have, then the spiritual depth of the people gets thinner and thinner and thinner. Amen. I'll say tonight, uh, today again, that upon this rock, 
will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. If we're going to have a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it, we're going to have to do more than sing kumbaya. Amen. We're going to have to do more than just come together and have a hot dog roast and a hamburger fry. Amen. We're going to have to have somebody, a man of God, a woman of God, to get behind the pulpit, open this book up. Amen. You can yell it if you feel, or you can just tell it if you feel, but we need the word of God because we need Jesus Christ and him crucified. Amen. 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 So the Bible says that it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That's how God chose. And I'll say it again, not foolish preaching, but the foolishness of preaching. You say, well, I don't know what's going to come out of that. Well, I'll tell you what will come out of it. Amen. God will have his will and God will have his way. That's why the church ought to bear some responsibility. I do my very best to not get distracted on Saturdays. Amen. Because I'm preaching on Sunday. I want my mind to be on it. Amen. I want my heart to be on it. I don't want to goof around to the last minute, jump up at 9.30 and try to put something together. No, no, no. This is too important for something like that. Amen. I know you get that, right? And you have a great appreciation for that. Amen. I will tell you by the same token that you ought not let yourself get so distracted either. That you can't be praying for whoever's going to be preaching in the morning. I'm asking you to touch their mind and touch their heart. And go ahead and help me to get my mind and my heart engaged. And help me to get with it. Amen. I want to pray and ask the Lord to touch the mind and the mouth of whoever's going to be preaching the word. If we're on our way to a camp meeting or a conference somewhere. Let's don't just go and say, Lord, we're here for entertainment. I hope everything is just right. What a pray. Lord, I don't know who's preaching, but get a hold of their heart. Amen. I don't want to just simply hear from the mind of a man, we need a word from God. Everybody all right? Can you hang in there with me for a little while? Amen. We need a word from God. Isaiah 34, 38 and 4 says, and the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Jeremiah 36, 27 says, and the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Amos 3 and Amos 7, the Bible says, and the word of the Lord came to Amos and he lifted up his voice and began speaking. Hallelujah. We need for the word of the Lord to come to Isaiah again and to Jeremiah again and to Amos again. But I would ask Ask us to pray and say, Lord, let the word of the Lord come to Steve. Amen. Let the word of the Lord come to Chris. Let the word of the Lord come to Larry. Let the word of the Lord come to, are you hearing me today? Amen. Let the word of the Lord come to them. Let God visit them. Let God visit them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need the word of the Lord. Matthew 3. Matthew 3 reminds us that John the Baptist came out of the wilderness like a madman. Preaching, preaching, preaching. Mark 1 says Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. All of this wrapped up in the context of preaching the word. So how can we do this? Amen. We do this because we're determined not to know anything. Determined. But Jesus Christ and him crucified. And this is where we find our center. There's so many things that that serve to distract us and to distract our focus. And that is the absolute truth. We could give in to the pressures of the day and we could curtail our message to meet the current events or the social issues 
or we could even curtail our uh, we could curtail our message for what might be happening in the moment. As a young pastor, when a lot of people stayed home, and there were just a few of us here on any given service, as a young pastor, that was the night I wanted to change my message and preach on faithfulness to the house of God. But you see, that would have been foolish because I would have been preaching to the faithful. And I would have taken it out on those that came. Amen. And so there are many distractions that want to try to change the tempo of things. <laughs> you have no idea where I'm going next, so you're just nice. Whether to say amen, amen, or oh me, we could give in to those things, and I don't think we should be ignorant of the times and the seasons. But I believe that we ought to walk to the pulpit and stand on the bedrock. I'm determined. I'm determined. Amen. I'm going to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen. You can find the gospel all throughout the the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, and I'll. I'll hurry, but amen, you can find the gospel. It's there. It's just the gospel story. It's wherever we go. And so when we come, so when we come to the house of God, we really are not looking at the preacher, or we really shouldn't even be looking at the sermon. Because we want whoever is standing in that pulpit to point us to the to the one. Point us to the one. Uh, some years ago, um, some years ago, I had we had some issues with our, our, our well, the water, and we needed a, to buy a machine to help us remove some some things that were in the well or in the water. And so I went to uh, I went to a, a, a business that sold all kind of different contraptions, you know, for this. And so I just asked the lady who happened to be the owner's wife and. I just asked her, I said, I don't know what I need, if you could just help me. And she said, well, let's just say you have a toothache. So I'm thinking, this is a weird way to start. So she walks over here and she puts her hand on this little piece of equipment. She says, this right here would be like Novocaine to just be putting something on it to take the pain away. She walked down a little bit and she said, this right here. She said, this right here, this would be like a temporary feeling. This is, this is, this will take care of that. She kept walking. She finally gets, she had a name for everything. She walks over here and she said, this right here, this is meet the dentist. <laughs> Amen. So we got some help or we got a cure. But there was a big gap between the help and the cure. Amen. But what do you want? I'll sell you whatever you want. But what do you want? Amen. I'm going to tell you today that we, we come to the pulpit. We don't need to just offer somebody a little bit of Novocaine for the moment. Or just a temporary feeling. Amen. We need to be pointing this is the cure. 
Amen. Now, oh yeah, we could tell you something. We could sing a song, make you cry. We could preach a message and tell you some weepy story and move your heart. But when you get away from here, your life's not going to be any different. But if we could just take you over here to the dentist, if we could take you over here to the answer, I believe that everything ought to be pushing us and pointing us in this way. I'll ask our musicians to come, if you will. And so here's... here's um, and, and I'm not just talking about to the ministry of our church. I'm talking to all of us, but certainly including our ministry. If we do this correct, that when we are done, you won't be able to find us. You'll only be able to find him. Amen. So, for example... I could ask you to turn to the first gospel of the New Testament. And so I'm going to test Brother Wayne Williams right here. The first gospel of the New Testament. This is low-hanging fruit. But if I ask you to turn to the first gospel of the New Testament, where would you go? Go to Matthew. He'd be right. There's no prize. No prize. We do this, we say this, and we all agree, right? We all agree? If he had stumbled any at all, there were people around you that were ready to lean up and say, Matthew, Matthew. We say that because tradition says that Matthew wrote this book. But read it. And when you get through reading it, you won't find Matthew there. You won't find his name. You won't find his signature. <laughs> well, let's go deeper. Couldn't find Matthew there. Let's go to Mark. Let's see what Mark has to say about Mark. You don't get to the, to the last book of Mark and the whole last page is just Mark's signature, his autograph. Shh. No. Mm -mm. It's just, just Jesus. Just Jesus. Because these men understood we're going to hide ourselves. Because this is not about me. There may be a book that bears my name. This is not about me. This is about him. The same could be said of Luke, hidden away. He's so tucked away because he keeps pointing, 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 pointing. Jesus. When you get to the gospel of John, when you get to the gospel of John, John never calls his, himself by his name. As a matter of fact, the only two references that, that we even find of John referring to himself is found in the 13th chapter of the book of John. And here he just refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved or the disciple that lay on his bosom. He doesn't even call his name. Because you know why these men understood this is not about me. This is not about me. This is about him. Amen. I read something a while back. I, 
and I may have mentioned it before, but it certainly seems fitting for this message today. I read a story of a man who who went to hear two well-known preachers preach, and when he heard the when he heard the first preacher preach, he walked away and he said, "Wow, what a great speaker!" But when he heard the second man preach, he walked away and said, "Wow, what a great savior!" <laughs> what are we after? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand today. I believe that we should hide ourselves away. Press ourselves into the background. Because this is not about us. This is about Him. Isaiah chapter, um, Isaiah chapter 6. Verses 1 or verse 2. Mentions the seraphims. That were closest to the presence of God. You may remember the story. And the Bible says that with their wings, they covered their faces. Because <laughs> this is not about them. I'm going to cover my face. I'm going to cover my face. You see, we need to hide our face so that people just see Jesus and not us. Amen. We must point people to Jesus because he's the only real hope that we have. Praise God. This morning, if you need help, can I tell you that it's in Him? It's in Him. And so I'd, I'm afraid this morning for, uh, for you to look at us. Because if you just look at us, you may stumble. And you may make mistakes if you just look at us. And you may fall into error if you just look at us. So if you'll just keep your eyes on Him... Amen. What do we do when people around us stumble and fall? Yes, we pray for them and, and we plead the blood of God, the blood of, blood of the cross over them. We pray intercessory prayers for them. But we can't let it hinder our relationship with God because I've got to get my eyes off of that and I've got to pull my eyes back over here. I've got to pull my eyes back over here to Him. Him. Jesus never fails. Amen. I wonder if you would slip your hands up in this house today. If you're here. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website again thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family